Welcome to the Agora Network Ministries podcast, Hope for the Agora, a conversation about mental health and the church. Listen in as our host, Evan Roars Dodge, shares practical, educational, and insightful information about the mental health conversation and the stigma inside the walls of the church. Our hope is that through informative interviews with leading mental health professionals and people in the field, and through the stories of healing and transformation, you will find that hope and healing can be found in body, soul, and spirit. To learn more, go to agoranetworkministries.com and follow us on social media. Thank you for joining us. Well, welcome to Hope for the Agora. My name is Evan Dodge. I'm your host, and I'm glad that you have joined me for another conversation on mental wellness and the church. Today, I am very excited to be joined by Bethany Dearborn-Heiser. Bethany is the Director of Soul Care for Northwest Family Life, which is a network of therapists trained to work with survivors of domestic violence and sexual trauma. She's a bilingual social worker, chaplain, and pastoral advocate. Bethany and her family live in Seattle, Washington. Bethany, thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Bethany, share a bit about yourself, your family, your your work, your ministry, and then a little bit about you and uh, what you enjoy doing for fun. What brings you joy in life? <laughs> sure. Well, um, it's actually a beautiful sunny day in Seattle, which very might cool. break reputation. Um, <laughs> But I do, I mean, just starting with that, I guess I just biked over to, with my two girls in our, in our bike. And so I love being outside. I love being with my girls. Um, I bike to my parents. So they're, I have a one-year-old and a three-year-old and awesome. grateful for grandparent care today. Um, and yeah, I love, I love as doing anything really outside exploring these days, creeks and, um, parks and playgrounds and finding ducklings um, mm. and just enjoying nature with my with my daughters. I love to run and just be grateful for, um, yeah, connection with community. So I would say those are things that bring life. Um, I, let's see a bit more about me. So yes, I work currently with Northwest Family Life. And yeah, for years I worked more directly with people um, on the front lines, I guess you could say, as a social worker, um, case manager, jail chaplain, domestic violence advocate, um, working with people in on the streets and in shelters and in the jail um, who are navigating variety variety of challenges of immigration and incarceration and addiction. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's part of, I never thought I would be here doing these podcasts about soul care. Mm-hmm. Um, because part of my story was that I didn't think I needed it, um, that I was doing mm-hmm. fine. And yeah, I've really enjoyed and feel called to accompany people and care for those on the margins of society. Um, and now I'm grateful that part of my role is supporting therapists who are doing that. Um, mm-hmm. And I know we'll get to talk a bit more about my burnout story, but yeah. Bethany, I, I love the term soul care. Um, and that when I read the, um, when I read your biography, that, that phrase immediately kind of attracted me. 
Um, Cause I, I heard echoes of so many people who have shaped my spiritual life, pastoral life, you know, Henry now and Eugene Peterson, this, this idea of soul care, right? You know, you're caring for people in the deepest levels of who they are. Can you unpack that term just a little bit for us? What, what does soul care mean to you and to your work? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I started using the term more than self-care um, because for me, it encompasses a holistic, you know, the Hebraic understanding of the soul as my whole spirit, you know, our whole selves. Mm. Um, and that to get to the deeper understanding of who we are and where identity is based and kind of encompassing the inner work. Um, so not just that we to ourselves, which I think in popular culture, self-care has come to mean. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about you, but just seeing whether it's social media pop posts or whatever, just people saying, I need my good, need of some good self-care. I need like a nail salon recommendation or something. And that just didn't, I just, that's, you know, just didn't, not that that's wrong. It's just, I think soul care for me is, I mean, self-care should mean that because of the word self, but it, just a holistic um mm tending to ourselves, which might mean stopping doing something rather than starting doing something. Yeah. Oh, um, that's good. So that's, that's good. That's part of what my understanding mm. is. Bethany, you've already referenced your own experience of burnout. Uh, and I know that was a big impetus behind this, uh, the book that you wrote from burned out to beloved. Um, we're going to talk about your story, about your book, Share with our listeners about your experience of burnout. You know, what happened to you um, and um, in that process of experiencing burnout, um, how did your faith come into play? That's a good question. Yeah, I mean, I think, as I mentioned, I didn't think I needed self-care. I thought I was doing just fine. And there's a series of kind of awakenings, I guess you could say, prior to the, to burnout, where I was starting to realize that I was being impacted by secondary trauma. And I can talk more about that later, um, as well as my own codependency with my work, and as well as um, just another workshop that I attended on self-care and realizing, oh, I'm not doing okay. So there's these levels of awareness that were growing. And yet, I kept thinking, okay, now I'm doing better. <laughs> um, now I'm doing better. And then I just... Um, I hit a point where, um, you know, actually I tell the story in my book, but just I was sitting with a woman in the domestic violence agency office and I was listening to her. I was translating a letter um, that her daughter had written while her daughter was in um, detention. And I was reading it to the mother and I was translating it into Spanish Um, for whatever reason, the daughter had written it in English. And the daughter was revealing to her mom her history and experience of domestic violence um, that her mom wasn't aware of. And her mom started just crying and crying and crying and crying out, you know, why do men do this to women? Why do men do this to them? This kind of weeping and weeping and weeping. And um, and I had been carrying so many stories also of women who had been um, abused, violently assaulted. And and I think, I think it just, it broke something open in me mm-hmm. and um, and I just started weeping with her. And I definitely believe that there's room for tears and weeping with another person. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, in, at that moment, I felt like I wasn't able to, eventually I wasn't able to be present to the woman that I was sitting with. And it kind of, and I still think I, yeah, I was, was 
carrying with her and we were weeping together and there's a beauty in that. Um, and yeah, after that, I just, it's like <laughs> the floodgates were open and I just, um, the combination of emotional exhaustion of carrying all these stories um, kind of had got to me. So I actually had to take an emergency, what I called an emergency week off, kind of a mental health week um, from both my jobs. I was working at the domestic violence shelter and a ministry at the time um, and my master's in social work. So I was, had a lot of things going and I had to take a, some time off. And I just, yeah, just remember um, feeling unsure of what was happening to me, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but just feeling very worn out. And so, yeah, and since then I've kind of understood, you know, burnout, emotional exhaustion is a key part of it. Um, just absolutely coming to the end in some ways um, of oneself, so. Yeah, and then your question of of how did my faith play out? Is that what yeah, you asked? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I'm grateful. The ministry I was a part of was very um, kind of, and even some of the work I had been doing, maybe a little bit more so later on in the jail, definitely helped me. Was helping me believe still that there was a good, loving God, even in the face of so much trauma and suffering. Um, seeing the way that that people were experiencing God's love and care. Um, so I think I, I didn't feel God abandoning me or that I was, um, you know, I, I didn't blame God or, you know, it was, it was more, um, it's a good question. I mean, I think I, I turned to God in the midst of my mm -hmm. suffering, knowing that God loves me and would, was, would walk with me in it. And I turned to others in their support for me. Yeah. Okay, great. So kind of following up with that, turning to others, did the church play a role in your, um, you know, supporting you in your experience of burnout, being part of your recovery, you know, surrounding you with love or presence in any way? Um, I mean, so the, the ministry I was working for was also a church. Uh, we had services for people that were coming um, okay. from the jail and so I, I was basically a church staff member so that adds its own complications of um so my my boss was our lead pastor and okay. um and so there was some support that I was getting from um from staff and from colleagues who like I think I had a mentor at that time um but I think we've learned as a, we learned as a staff that we needed to do a lot better job of caring mm. for each other um, as a staff that it's that we can, we prayed for each other and we would pray for each other. And yet um, I found that often our conversations would talk about how it's going on with the people we are accompanying and less about the impact of those realities on ourselves. Mm. Um, and so I think there's been some changes from, my experience and the experience of other people realizing that staff need their own, need more support and more care. Um, so eventually a spiritual director started coming to the agency and, um, and meeting with staff, at whoever wanted to, and um, there's more support that was created to look at community or organizational and culture and also looking at, um, yeah, making sure everyone has a supervisor and a mentor, kind of a, su a support person in the work because it's very intense work that we were doing. Yeah. Yeah. So the, I don't know if that answers your question in terms of the church, because it was a different kind of a unique experience. 
there. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's helpful, Bethany. I'm always interested in, you know, the role that the community of faith, however that's, you know, interpreted or present to mm -hmm. somebody, um, you know, if they're a person of faith, what role the, their community of faith might play in, you know, their mental wellness in, in, a, in a recovery journey, anything mm -hmm. uh, like that. I, I think community is so important, mm -hmm. um, you know. Yeah, and I think one thing I would add is that we, during that time, you know, I mentioned code, understanding more codependency and our organization was pursuing this training um, on relapse prevention mm -hmm. and recovery lens. And it's called the Genesis process and it weaves together kind of neurochemical understanding as well as um, recovery work kind of AA principles as well as inner healing and based in belief in, in Jesus. And so, mm -hmm. um, so it's actually that, being trained as someone to provide that care for others that you do your own work. And, and that was what part of what really opened my eyes to, Oh, I've got my own <laughs> challenges, my own addictions that I go to that are societally endorsed addictions, but nonetheless um, yeah. are, are working for me. And so I think the ministry in its desire to care for others was also, that was a very instrumental training mm -hmm. um, and it's interesting because that organization, the Genesis Process, their part of their mission is to make the church a safe, safe place for helping, right? Safe place for hurting people, um, and so recognizing that the church um, needs to be a safe place for hurting people, and how mm -hmm. can we equip the church to do that better? Bethany, in your book, and just now as you've recounted your story of burnout, you mentioned secondary trauma. Um, can you define mm -hmm. secondary trauma for us and uh, you, for those in helping professions and when secondary trauma comes up, what are some good strategies to deal with one's own self in their own soul care, right? Um, in processing that trauma. Sure. Yeah. I mean, secondary trauma, we'll start with primary trauma. So if primary trauma is the trauma that a person experiences to their own self, Secondary trauma would be hearing about that experience. Uh, so for me working in the shelter, it was hearing stories of women who had been abused. They would have experienced primary trauma. For me, it was mm -hmm. secondary trauma. And there's still an impact on the person who hears about it. And I think more and more, more understanding that impact. Um, and it's actually, people say that the symptoms are similar to PTSD, um, post-traumatic stress disorder for people who experience secondary trauma. So symptoms such as you know difficulty sleeping and nightmares and kind of fixation on like the replaying of stories over and over. Um, also just the um, like memories and then also like feeling not feeling detached from others, not having interest in things that you normally enjoy, mm -hmm. difficulty concentrating. So a lot of the same things with PTSD can happen with secondary trauma. Um, and so I think for me, understanding and linking together, oh, some of the things that I'm experiencing are because of this work was really helpful and almost, and also um, kind of removes that, that barrier of saying, oh, I'm weak for needing help or mm -hmm. um, I, something's wrong with me. You know, I think sometimes people have talked about how burnout, the person who burns out can be blamed for burning out instead of looking at the, the bigger picture Mm -hmm. um, of what's going on. And so I think understanding the impact of secondary trauma can really help alleviate some of that personal blame. 
Yeah. Thank you, Bethany. We're going to take a short break and I'll be right back with my guest, Bethany Heiser. Never in our lifetime have we lived through a global pandemic. Depression, anxiety, fear, suicide are at an all-time high. Medical facilities are overwhelmed. Seniors are dying. Lockdowns and churches trying to do their best to minister to those in need. Agora Network Ministries Perseverance Conference held May 1st is available on demand. Join experts Kay Warren, Dr. Grant Mullen, Brett Ullman, and Amy Simpson on specific ways to persevere and find hope. Go to agoranetworkministries.com and sign up for On Demand today. Bethany, in your book, you talk about the concept of the wounded healer. Um, can you explain what a wounded healer is, maybe the, the origins of that term, and what does it mean for someone in a caring profession, a, a therapist, a social worker, a pastor, a chaplain? Uh, what does it mean to be a wounded healer? Mm, yeah, good question. Yeah, I mean, I first heard the term from Henry Nowen, who has a book called The Wounded Healer. Um, but I realized it originally comes from Carl Jung. And I think he, he initially used it to acknowledge that a lot of people in pursue professions that, <clears throat> or who are pursuing professions of, in counseling or therapy um, or pastoral work are pursuing that related to their own journey and their own woundedness. Um, and you know, now one talks as well very openly about his own struggles and his own um, wounds and, and this intertwining of that we need to know who we are um, and recognize our, our brokenness and then be received as beloved, I would say, and so to now and often um, in order to love others well. And so I think, and in order to love others well and also to be well ourselves. And so I think that combination and that emphasis has become really important to me and what I talk about in the book. And that we can't just pretend that we're that there's nothing wrong with us or that we don't have any struggles and in our desire to love others well, that we need to recognize our own brokenness, our own needs and um, in order to love others and you know, asking for help and doing our own inner work, that that's part of the journey and part of loving others well. And so that I talk about living as beloved and wounded healers, that we are beloved and broken mm -hmm. and holding that together is, is vital as people who seek to, um, to listen to the stories of other people. Bethany, what, what does holding those two identities together, perhaps sometimes intention, perhaps not that of wounded healer and beloved, mm -hmm. um, how can that inform the soul care work that caring professionals uh, undertake? Yeah, good question. I think, I mean, for one, it gives people permission to seek their own support and ask for help. Uh, so, you know, I encourage many people, you know, what support do you have? And it's so easy as helping professionals. We like to be helpful. <laughs> we, it's, it's more comfortable to help others than it is to receive help. Mm -hmm. um, and so holding that intention, the wounded healer is saying, I have wounds. I have, I have stuff going on for me. And whether that's stuff that I'm the way that I'm being impacted by my work or my own journey and my own history, it's, it's holding that intention and saying that, you know, the work that I'm doing could bring up my own trauma, my own stories, and I need to take care of myself in order. Um, yeah. As I've been saying, in order to, to be present and that, and to love others that otherwise I, 
you know, I could be listening to somebody and my mind and my emotions just heading off in a completely different direction um, because of what's going on inside of me. And not that that might not happen regardless, it's just knowing, um, being aware of that as a possibility and then knowing what to do with it afterwards. Thank you. Would you share, uh, Bethany, uh, just a bit more about your book? Um, I, 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 want, I want to say one thing about your book that I really love is the, the trajectory around which your book is organized. So the sections move from centering to unpacking to recovering and then to uh, thriving. And I love that, that trajectory, right, of moving from a, a, a place perhaps where there's work to be done um, and into a place of health and wellness, right? And, and the process that that takes. So I appreciate that your book is, is, is centered on that, that concept. Um, share with us a bit more about your book, um, any, anything in there um, that you want to share, and then leave us with um, something that you hope your book accomplishes. Like what's, what's a gift or one or two things that you are really hoping that caring professionals, people who love others and just want to minister to them, what they might take from your book. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think you saw that kind of flow of my book. And I think that the integrating the recovery lens was a very important for me in, in, as I wrote the book um, and weaving together as well as the secondary trauma piece and the inner healing and spiritual disciplines, um, kind of some streams that I don't always see intertwining mm -hmm. as well as it all being rooted in identity as God's beloved. And so, um, and then the unpacking piece of acknowledging why we don't take care of ourselves, <laughs> what's keeping us from doing that. You know, so often you can go to these trainings or workshops and just talk about you know, come out with goals to do something. But if we don't acknowledge what's keeping us, um, whether those are inner beliefs or false narratives inside of us, um, the stories that we tell ourselves, if we don't acknowledge those, then it's going to be really hard to change our behavior. Um, mm. And so I, that's a huge part of um, my book and kind of runs throughout it uh, is inviting people to do their own inner work. I also really wanted, wanted it to be accessible to a variety of people and something that worn out people experiencing secondary trauma would want to read. Um, there are other mm. books that are excellent about trauma and the impact of secondary trauma. And yet for me, often when I was not in a healthy place or just even still sometimes there's some really challenging stories in the, and so I, I would get part way through and then I'd have to put it down. So I, I didn't want it to be re-traumatizing for people. I wanted it to open up some ideas and, you know, it's, it's partly my journey. Um, so I offer myself <laughs> in my, my, the gleanings I've learned in my own process, but um, hoping that I'm doing that in an accessible way for people, whether they're helping professionals or they're just navigating life and all the challenges. Um, and then your question of what would I hope people walk away with? Is that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately that people would know more deeply that they are truly God's beloved. I feel like that's part, that's my, my call <laughs> in life is to walk with people toward their belovedness and help unpack the barriers to receiving that. And I think that's my desire in the book that as people do their own inner work, as they read it, as they integrate 
simple daily practices that I invite people to do uh, that they would experience and know how deeply loved they are. Um, not for what they do, but just simply mm. for who they are. Yeah. That is a great word to end on, Bethany. Thank you. Uh, your publisher, IVP Press, has been so generous to us. They've sent uh, copies of your book. Um, so for those who are listening, if you tweet the podcast and or post it on Facebook and tag the ministry or tag me, um, on Twitter, it's at the Rev Dodger, D-O-D-G-E-R, the Rev Dodger. Um, the first five folks to share it on social media and to tag me or our ministry will get a copy of your book. Um, and then you can also get it wherever books are sold, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Awesome. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, any bookseller, you can get a copy of From Burned Out to Beloved, Soul Care for Wounded Healers. Bethany, thank you so much. I'm so grateful for your ministry, for your work, for giving us this book. And I know it has and will continue uh, to be meaningful to so many. Mm, thank you. Right, thank, thank, you. For, thank you for having me. Thank you. God bless you. You as well. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you found it helpful and informative. We are always open to your comments and suggestions. You can contact us at info at agoranetworkministries.com. You can also go to our website for resources, information, and upcoming events. Just head over to agoranetworkministries.com. If you would like to support the work of Agora Network Ministries, including this podcast, you can find a link on our site. We appreciate your support. We pray that your week is blessed. Bye for now.